Thank you, everybody. You can be seated. I want to start by thanking everybody for all your, for your love and your prayers. Um, and for everybody who came to the memorial service, if I didn't get to see you there. Um, thank you for, I mean, just the outpouring of love that we felt to my mom, me, my brother, Anya, all of us. We've, uh, uh, Terry has been <laughs> crying there with me with all the, the cards that we get and all the love. I've been so overwhelmed. So thank you for that. And thank you for your prayers. You know, I've, you, you be, you, sometimes you wonder if you can feel prayers, but when you are at your lowest, you feel them. So thank you for that. My title of my sermon today is called When the Waters Rage. So let's read Genesis chapter 26 and verse 1. So there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines in Gerar. So remember, Isaac is the son of Abraham. Okay. So then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you. And bless you, for to you and your descendants I will give all of these lands, and I'll perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of the heaven. So what's happening is, during Abraham's time, there was a famine as well. And during his time, they went down to Egypt to survive because Egypt was like the big city. But Egypt had the Nile flowing through it, so it wasn't in the same famine. Famine in those days meant no water falling from the sky, which meant no crops, which means no food. So everybody went down to Egypt. That's just what you did. So now Isaac, the son, is facing his first famine. He's facing the famine alone, and what will he do? How will he survive it? Because this is his first famine, but it's not God's first famine. See, you might be facing something right now that it's your first time facing it. It's your first time failing in business. It's your first time you've ever been broke. It's your first time your family's gone through a divorce. It's the first time you've ever faced grief because the person you love more than life has gone to be with the Lord. It's your first time, but it's not God's first time. It's not God's first time helping his children through what you're facing. So what does he do? He gets a word from God. All you need sometime is a word from God. But you know, oftentimes that word is going to look very different than what you expect it to look like. It's going to be a unique word for you. It's going to be an uncommon word. It's going to be different from the way your family's always done it. It's going to be different from what the world is telling you to do. It's going to be a unique word for you to not only survive the famine, but to thrive on the other side. So how does God help us through it? He gives us a word. And now you're wondering, like, well, where do I get that word? Well, you get the word in his word. You like that? <laughs> you need a word, get a word in his word, a.k.a. the Bible. So we go to the Bible. Let's go to Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. It says this, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. 
It's saying that these scriptures, the Bible was written for you to learn. So we never get to the place where we're like, oh, I, I know it all, right? I've got it down. You're constantly learning. But the scripture is also saying that through patience and the comfort of the scriptures, we might have hope. So the scriptures will actually give you encouragement. They will comfort you and they will give you hope. So the first place you hear from God is when you read his Bible. Because that is the living word of God. It's not just a book with words on it. It is the living word of God. And so you open it up, maybe in the New Testament, if you've never read it, find a book and just stick in that book the, all the way through. If you restart in Ephesians every morning, read some of that. And what you do is you read until something jumps out at you. And you're like, whoa, those few lines just kind of spoke to me. I don't know why, but it spoke to me because that's the Spirit of God giving you a rhema word. It's a living word. Now it becomes living in you. It just looks different. It just stuck out differently. It means something. It hits you. Maybe you even get a tear in your eye. You're like, what? what's happening right now? Because it's God speaking to you through his word. Sometimes it's a whole paragraph. Sometimes it's two lines. But when you get that, underline it. Highlight it. Go back to it. Put a marker by it because it's a rhema word God's giving you in the moment to say, I'm speaking to you. The, one of the words God gave me months and months and months, I mean, probably maybe even six months before my dad was sick. And it was this scripture. And I know many of you know it well. It's Isaiah chapter 43. And it says, by now, but now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you, for I am the Lord your God. Man, and when I read that, it was like, it hit me like a rhema word. I just felt everything come alive in me and took out my marker and I'm highlighting and marking next to it and it was one of those where I literally read it every day and then it got to a place where I was reading it every week I would flip back to it my Bible would just open to it because it had been bent so many times in that particular place and I would read it and the irony was when I was going reading it and drawn to it I was actually not going through a trial I wasn't going through any rivers or waters I had nothing going on in my life at the time when I was reading it and when we got the cancer diagnosis from, for my dad, I read that scripture every day. But now I was reading it differently because now I was reading it through the lens of the narrative of what I was walking through. Now I was in the raging waters. Now I could feel the flames. So now I read the word differently. And you know, the, the Christian faith in general is very, is very singular focused. How do I say this? We are a church of faith. We believe every promise in the Bible, every blessing that Jesus says is ours. We follow Jesus' example and we speak to our circumstances. We speak life over our lives and over our circumstances. And we trust that God has got good things planned for us. And we know that there is an enemy so if some, if it, who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we, and we understand all of that. 
But in life, there is still pain and suffering. And sometimes, inevitable pain and suffering. You know, sometimes pain can be helpful. Um, my little niece, Bella Vera, oh my gosh, she is just the cutest thing. I think, I think we have a photo of her. Look at her. With her best little buddy, Teddy Bear, the little dog. Um, she is just at the cutest stage ever, you know. She is just in that free-spirited, inquisitive phase where you just want her to explore everything, but you don't want her to get hurt. And I would give anything in my whole, I would give my life so that she never experiences pain in this world. Right, parents? And she's not even my kid, but uh, you parents, you feel that way about your kid, don't you? But you also know that's not healthy, Right? We know that's not good for them. They have to experience a certain amount of pain because sometimes pain is a teacher. My brother and Anya are very good about not telling her no all the time and, and letting her explore. However, there are times when no <laughs> is the right thing to say. And she loves while Anya is cooking in the kitchen to touch literally everything. And Anya was heating up the oven. And so when she went to try and touch it, she said, no, hot, you know. And uh, of course, sometimes no is like, let me touch it some more. And so she kept trying to get to it, and Anya was like, no, being more stern. And uh, so then when Anya finally turned her back, she, you know, she did one of these. You know, she's at that age where you can really see the attitude coming out with her little finger touched the outside of the stove, uh, of the oven. It was hot. Don't worry, it's not, not promoting child abuse here. Uh, yeah. And she didn't get a blister or anything, but it was hot enough for her to go, ah, you know, and get a huge fright from it and hurt a little finger for a minute. And it's, it's not what you want for your kid, but it taught her a very valuable lesson. Why is it that sometimes we only learn the hard way? I mean, you gotta learn sometimes, like, like if you eat pizza all the time, there's a lot of, you, you learn as you get older that there's all this gluten and there's this dough and there's this cheese and when it all gets in you, your body is like, hey, no, stop it. I've pushed it all back as far as I can. I don't know what to do with this. And so you start to be in a lot of pain. And then you don't realize it, but as you get older, you realize that this pain isn't just temporary. It's now causing inflammation in my body, which leads to, overweight, it leads to diabetes, it leads to cholesterol. You're like, oh man, I need an, uh, the pain. So now when you look at it as you're older, you're like, mm, I'll pass, thank you very much. Because it's not just the immediate pain, you're also trying to avoid the consequences, right? So you learn. I can literally hear my husband going, don't blame the pizza. He'll eat it and then complain later. And I'm like, dude, how many times have we discussed this about the cheese? Don't blame the pizza. <laughs> but sometimes pain is a good teacher. But then there's pain that's unavoidable. That you couldn't stop from happening. That you're not the cause of, but you're in pain regardless. Sometimes you are tithing and giving and your business still goes under. You are a kind and loving person, but you still get betrayed and stabbed in the back. 
You gave everything you could in that relationship and they left anyway. You prayed and you tried everything you could and they died anyway. See, I think sometimes we avoid the topic because we, we don't talk much about how to make it through the suffering. How do you walk through it? We preach a lot about how to walk around it, how to build a bridge over it, how to stop it before it happens. And you know, sometimes that's possible. Sometimes it's possible to walk around it or build a bridge over it. And, and sometimes it's possible to stop it before it happens. But what about where the only way is through it? Come on. What about the valley? How do you walk through the valley of the shadow of death and not get stuck? And not let it swallow you up. This is when you need that rhema word. That God gave you a year ago. And you wondered why. Because it's in this moment where you hold on to that word that he says. I've got you. I'll be with you. In the raging waters. In the icy cold dirty river. In the flames that are burning you up, I will be with you. See, God gives a comforting word that gives you hope. Never so much in my life have I experienced the separation of soul and spirit in my life like two sides of the same coin. Like I can feel the weakness in my soul and I can feel the strength of my spirit. It's such an unusual experience to go through. And you know, peace, peace has so many different meanings. And, and during this process, I have definitely experienced a, a deep, unexplainable peace in my soul, for sure. But peace is also a person and his name is Jesus. And you know that story about when the disciples were in the boat and the storm was raging and Jesus comes walking on the water and Peter's like, hey, Jesus, like, tell me to come to you and I'll come, you know. Well, in that story, Jesus says, come. The storm is raging. The wind is blowing. The waves are, are all over the place. But peace is in the middle of it. Peace is in the middle of the storm. Jesus didn't stop the wind and the waves. He said, come, come anyway. He didn't say, oh, wait, oh, wait a minute. He could see the storm all around him. He didn't say, wait, 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 Peter. Let me just calm the storm. Let me stop the wind. Let me calm the waves. And then you get out the boat. No, he said, come anyway. Come, the waves are raging. The wind is blowing, but come, follow me through it. Follow me anyway. Follow me through your fear. Follow me through the raging waters. Follow me through what's scaring you right now. Follow me through it. Because I'm the peace that you can hold on to. 
He's the one who can help you through your fear. You know, we often say that, um, that you can't be in faith and fear. You can't be in faith and have fear. And I have a deep understanding of why we say that. So please hear me, I'm not trying to contradict what we believe. But for a moment, I want to offer a slightly different hypothesis. I think fear and faith might be married. I think they might actually sleep in the same bed. Because I think sometimes what drives you to faith is in fact your fear. The fear that your kids are going to end up on drugs and on the streets. The fear that your kids are going to do something that's going to ruin their life. This is not a, oh, I'm so scared of the dark. No, this is a deep concern that's in your soul about something. And it's that deep, deep concern that drives you to faith. It actually drives you into the arms of God, to the one who can help you. Because it's when you get to the place where you say, God, it's only you. You are my only answer. You're the only hope I have. You're the only one who can help me right now. You're my only source for my business. You're the only one who can save my marriage. You're the only one who can save my kid. God, it's you and me. This is it, God. You've got to come through, God, because I only have you. See, when you get to that place, that's faith. That is when there's no backup plan. You are completely in the arms of God, fully trusting Him. Faith is that complete abandonment of knowing that only God can get you out of this. And you know, when Peter got out of the boat, he had to face his fears. He faced it. When he got out of that boat, the water's raging. He's like, I might die right now. I might drown. I might go under. I might be ruined. I might be so embarrassed by what's happening. But he looked at him and he's like, Jesus, it's all you or nothing. You're it, Jesus. You're all I've got in this moment. It's you and me. It's all or nothing. And of course, we know Jesus did calm the storm and walk him back afterwards. But you know, in a majority of the time, when, we, when you are trusting God for something and you are in faith, we have so many great victories and testimonies. And that's what I love about our church and all the testimonies people give because it gives glory to God about His goodness, about all that He's done in your life. And you should constantly be looking at your life for the smallest moments to thank Him. But when you don't get the victory like you thought you should, when it doesn't play out quite like you had hoped it would, it's also okay to grieve that loss. You might have had a, a dream for your business and you've had this dream your whole life and now you saved, you used all the money you had and you put it in and it went down. It's okay to grieve that. 
It's okay if you gave everything you had into a relationship and it didn't work out. It's okay to grieve that. It's okay to grieve if your life doesn't look now like you had planned it to look. It's okay to grieve that loss. You know, Paul in the New Testament, he didn't say that we don't grieve. He said that we don't grieve like the world without hope. See, we have hope. We have the hope of Christ. We have the hope of eternity. That basically we're like, listen, it doesn't matter if I'm broke my whole life, if I never get married, if this happens or what happens, guess what? At least at the end of these 70, 80, whatever years, I'm going to be in heaven for eternity. Like, you know what? That is the hope of Christ that this is not the end and this is not all there is. But what God has shown me through this process and what's held me, and, I, and there's only things you can experience when you go through something. I, I fully understand that. And that is the hope of your calling will sustain you. And the hope of God will carry you. Two very different hopes. The hope of God that carries you is the hope of eternity. It's that hope that, ah, God, yeah, whatever. At least I'm going to heaven at the end of this, right? And that carries you through it. But the hope of your calling is what will sustain you. When your soul is broken and hurting and disappointed and full of heartache, the hope of your calling sustains you. This is God alone that gives you this. This is the hope in you that God says, I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. Maybe it is writing a book. Maybe it is a certain business that helps people. Maybe it is reaching the homeless. Whatever that calling is in this moment, it will rise up in your spirit. You will have suddenly your mind will be flooded with thoughts. Here comes every prophetic word you've ever had over your life that you forgot about. Here comes every Ramah scripture that every time you open your Bible, it falls to that exact scripture. Because what is God doing? He's bringing the hope like it's on speed dial. Okay, here it comes. And you're like, well, I forgot about that prophetic word. I forgot about that prophetic word. And on the flip side of the coin between soul and spirit, on the spirit side, here's all this hope being shone at you like every single prophetic word you've ever gotten is about to come past right now. Because the hope that he delivers that prophetic word to you in, the way he brings it back, the way he brings back those Ramah scriptures to you, I'm telling you, it's as if he's saying, they're all coming to pass right now. And so you're trying to be like, wait, I'm, 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 I'm still grieving the loss of my business, my marriage, whatever. And it's like, and yet there's this hope that God's got this whole thing planned for you. It's like he's saying, look, child, this didn't catch me by surprise. This, I'm not not aware of. In fact, I planned for it. It's the hope of you calling that will sustain you through whatever happens. Because every single person on this planet that is a child of God has a deep purpose and a call of God on your life. 
in the business field, in the workplace, raising a godly child, having a godly marriage, whatever it is, you know. And if you don't know, when you go through this, you'll find out because God will reveal it to you because he needs to sustain you. Because you're not just going to survive this. You're going to thrive. All you need is a word from God. One word. So he reminds you of all those prophetic words that you got. That's why it's important to write them down. Have them recorded somewhere. Have those scriptures underlined so you can go back and revisit them. So now let's go back to that beginning story in about Isaac, okay? We're going to go to Genesis chapter 6 verse 20, sorry, Genesis chapter 6 verse 12. We're going to go back to the beginning story that we were talking about Isaac and let's see what he did with the word from God during the famine. So Isaac planted crops in the land and that same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. Wait, I thought there was a famine. Hmm. The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. For those people that st struggle with the prosperity gospel. It seems like God, I mean, how, let's look how many times he, he says how wealthy he was. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. He became rich and, he, and his wealth, wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. Don't put limits on God on, on how much he can bless you. If you've got a good heart and you sow into the kingdom and you're a, a, a channel that's, that money is flowing through you, don't put the limits on how much you think you can have or how much God can bless you. God clearly wanted to make a point with Isaac. But you'll notice something. Isaac was in a famine. In the midst of his famine, there came a test, a test of his faith. In the midst of your storm, there'll be a test of your faith. What do I mean? In the midst of your storm, there's going to be a test that comes that says, which way does your heart lean? Yes. Who do you really trust when all the cards are down? Which way is your heart going to lean? Are you going to listen to the world? Are you going to listen to your family? Are you going to lean on what? Your finances? What are you going to lean on? The test is, which way are you going to lean? Who are you going to listen to? So he chooses to listen to God. He doesn't go down to Egypt like his father did. He stays on a word from God. But how does he prosper? Well, if you do your research, as I said before, Abraham had gone down to Egypt. His father had gone down to Egypt when it was, his, when it was famine during his time. And if you do your research, it's well known that the Egyptians at the time, especially the ones uh, living there along the Nile, had mastered irrigation because they had the Nile. So they would run water from the Nile and water their crops. Abraham saw this, but it would have been to no use to Abraham because they lived where they lived. It was only the sea. They didn't have the ocean. So now Isaac would have either seen this as a child or have been told it from his father. So now here comes the knowledge that he has. Now here's the wisdom of God. This is what you need in your famine. You need to be able to hear the voice of God and you need the wisdom of God. He doesn't have the Nile, but what does he have? Abraham, his dad, 
built wells. There were wells all over the place. So what he did is he used the knowledge that he'd had from Egypt, from his dad, about the irrigation, and he ran irrigation from the wells to the land, his very own first sprinkler system. And he watered the crops and the crops grew and he was able to sell them and became very wealthy and nobody else had it because not only had his dad dug the wells, but he used the knowledge and he became very, very wealthy. In the midst of the famine, he became very wealthy, growing something that nobody else could do. See, here's the thing. Isaac had to hear from God. He had to have that word from God and then he had to obey it. He had obeyed that word and then he had to break with the tradition of his father. He had to not do it the way his dad had done it, but he still used all the wisdom his father had given him. This is how you thrive through your famine. When you're in the storm, you need a word from God. What is the word that God's giving you? What is the direction? What is the word? What is that single word that he's giving you? The prophetic word, the scripture, whatever it is. What is the word that you are holding on to? And then the second thing you need to do is you need to use everything you've ever been taught. Everything you've ever learned about the scriptures. Every foundational truth that's ever been laid in your life is for this moment. Right now, right here. See, you don't need, when your business is thriving and your kids are doing well and life is good, you don't notice how well your foundation is laid. You don't even sometimes know the hope of your calling when you're on the mountaintop. But when you're in the valley, When you're in the raging waters and you can barely keep your head above the water and all you can see is the waves, this is when you need a word from God. This is when you hold on to that word with everything you've got and you rest in the foundation that you've laid in your life. All the Bible college lectures you went to, all the church services you sat through, all the books you've read have laid a godly foundation in your life for this very moment. Because with that word from God, you rest on the foundation. Because if you only have a word from God and no foundation, you will turn on God. Because you'll say, where were you? Why didn't you? How come? That's immaturity. That's your foundation is not laid right. That's the cracks showing. Because when your foundation is laid right, you rest on it. You rest because you're like, God, you're so good. You're so merciful. I can see your mercy even in this moment. I can see the mercy in God that you didn't prolong his, his pain. I can see your mercy in the fact that, that you allowed this to happen during summer when we're not in Bible college, when the life groups weren't going on, when I wouldn't have to be lecturing, when I could be by his side in the hospital. God, your mercy of even the timing 
Can you see his mercy? That's because my foundation is laid that I would never question his goodness or his mercy, that even in the roughest times of your life, he is a good God. That's when you need your word from God and you rest on the foundation that you've laid and you allow yourself to be carried on the truth that God's got you. That he is with you. You allow yourself to be carried by the arms of God. He's got you. He's with you. And he's telling you, child, when you come out of this, because of the way you've held on and trusted and learned, not only are you going to gain so much empathy and experience through this because you're looking at it through a healthy lens, you're looking at it through my eyes, you are going to be blessed, you are going to be prosperous, and you are going to be stronger than you've ever been before. Because the enemy came at you with everything he had. That's the best he had. And I'm here to tell you, I'm still standing. Come on, let's stand up and give God some praise. Come on. If you got something to be thankful for, I want you to thank him. Put some praise on your lips. Say, God, thank you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness in my life. Thank you that you never gave up on me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I see your love in this moment. I see your hand carrying me through this. I hear your help, God. I thank you for it. Folks, if you've got something to thank him, take your eyes off your situation and see the goodness of God and his mercy that he's shown you through this moment because he is a good God and he loves you more than life itself and he is holding you and even this word today is a word for you to keep holding on don't let go don't give in don't turn your back on God don't blame the one person who can help you through this I thank you Jesus I thank you father for who you are I thank you for your love Jesus your amazing intense love God I thank you for the gift that you've given me, Father. I thank you for the gift of having such an awesome Father, that you gave me such a great dad in this life. I thank you for the great apostle he was to this church. I thank you for the millions of lives he's touched and changed. And every person under the sound of my voice has that to be grateful for. That you got seeds deposited in you of greatness. You got seeds deposited in you of a special, unique anointing that you sat under. If he laid hands on you, that anointing was transferred into you. Child, what will you do with it? Will you run? Will you run for God? Will you hold on to that and say, that's mine? I'm going to do great and mighty things for God's kingdom. Because my foundation is laid. I got a word from God. Satan, you will not stop us. Because God, 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 God.
If you've never made the commitment to follow Jesus. You might be on the precipice of going through something like I've gone through. And you're like, I don't know if I have that hope. Never mind a hope of a calling. I don't know if I've got the hope of eternity. Do you know that if you closed your eyes tonight, would you wake up in heaven? Do you know for sure? Jesus took your sins on the cross. He died for you. He rose again. It's the best relationship you could ever have. God is real. Heaven is real. The way you know for sure, just slip your hand up in there. We'll pray for you. It's as simple as acknowledging that you're a sinner. Nobody is perfect. If you lied one time in your life, the Bible says you're a liar. You cannot make it into God's presence on your own. But Jesus already paid that price that you can go. All you have to do is say, God, yeah, I need you. Jesus, I want to know you. I want that relationship. I want that hope. If that's you, you want us to pray for you, just raise your hand wherever you are. We'll pray. God will hear you. If you need to come back to the Lord, maybe you've strayed. You feel like you've been cold at heart. God is speaking to you. Maybe you've been through circumstance and you've blamed God. There's a repentance that needs to happen. It's a repentance of going, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And he will instantly and put you in right standing with him. So if that's you, just raise your hand. I'll pray for you wherever you are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can I have the ministry team come forward, please? I want to invite you to come down for prayer. If you raised your hand for salvation or just renewing your life with the Lord, maybe you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That, that's a spiritual thing that happens. Jesus does the baptizing. And with that, you get evidence of speaking in tongues. You get your own prayer language with the Lord. Maybe that's you. You want to come down and see one of the pastors or the ministry team. Or if you need healing in your body, whatever it is. If you need somebody just to stand with you, you're, whatever you're facing, that's my team. There's a team of faith people down front and they'll pray for you, okay? Liz, can you please come down front over here? This is my Bible college admin. She'll be down front over here. If you're coming to sign up for Bible college, maybe, my, maybe you realize, hey, my, my foundation is not quite laid right. <laughs> We'll get your foundation laid so solid by the time you're done with this course. Trust me. So if you're wanting to sign up for Bible college, come down and see her now. Folks, thanks for coming out. Next Sunday is going to be powerful. We've got special guests coming, a lot of stuff happening. You don't want to miss next Sunday, okay? Thank you for coming out. Thank you for your support and your love and your continued prayers. I love you so much.